Let's pray together. Father, deliver me from me. Help me to cling on to the things that have meaning and let go of the stuff that is empty and meaningless. Amen. You seated? This morning we're going to be looking in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. And uh, an excerpt says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. We're in the uh, middle of a series that we've entitled Encounters with Jesus, where we're looking at people in the Bible who have had a life-altering encounter with him in one way or another. And today's encounter is with Peter. Uh, Peter was one of the disciples who we perceive as being one of the closest to Jesus. And we're going to see in a bit that the event that we'll be talking about today is an event that caused him to wake up and take a risk. And while Peter sometimes is criticized for this event, we'll see that sometimes it's better to take a risk and fail than just stay stuck in our fear. Well, good morning, y'all. All right, so I think I'm going to start out with a question. And I would just, you know, ask... You know, in your opinion, um, what do you believe is the number one obstacle to Christianity today? You know, and I, I take a guess that some of us might say that it's, you know, the moral decline that has been occurring in our culture. Some might say that it's the media blitz of non-Christian values that are permeating our homes through TV and, and, and movies. Some might even say it's the secular approach being taken by our educational system that affects every new generation even more profoundly than the last. And while all of those, I think, fly in the face of Christian values, I don't think that's it. Because I think that I would argue that the number one obstacle to the Christian faith doesn't come from an outside force. It comes from within each of us. And if I had to put it down into one word, I would describe it as fear. Fear is what holds us back from taking on this whole Christianity thing with everything that we've got. And it may be a a fear that we have of letting go of something uh, that we don't want to let go of, some bad habit or some situation or something in the past that we don't want to let go of. Or it can be a fear of getting rid of our old self. You know, Jesus calls us to kill off the old self and live the new, and we may not want to give up the old self because it's a little more comfortable than the new self. Or it may be that we have a fear of how we will be perceived as others. We don't want to be perceived as like, you know, a Jesus freak or something. We might also have this kind of fear deep down. And, you know, I'm going to admit this is me at times where you have a fear of believing that if I jump headlong into this 
Christianity thing, is God really going to be there to catch me? Or is it all just too good to be true? And so the unintended consequences of allowing fear to keep us from living in God is that we never, ever really live in either world. Right? We're kind of like straddling the abyss, so to speak. And we aren't fully living in the ways of the world because we have a moral compass. We believe in God, and so we don't allow ourselves to go fully over there. But we never end up really fully following Jesus the way that it's been designed for us to live because of the fear that holds us back of what having that kind of faith demands of us and the changes that are required of us. And so as a result of that, we become passionless people who are just kind of living this monotonous life. And we're letting the daily grind just take us away. And I say that because I've seen it in so many people. I've seen so many people fall into that trap. And if I'm honest with you, I have to admit that I've seen it in my own life. Fear can stop us from having the kind of fulfilling life that I think that God designed for us to live. And so we stay stuck going through the motions of our religion without ever having anything meaningful in our life. But Jesus made it very clear. Following him is not a religion. It's faith. It's having the kind of faith that overcomes the fear that holds us back, that causes us to live fully in God. And we catch a glimpse of this kind of faith in our next encounter with Jesus. It begins one day when the sun is setting and Jesus is settling down from a long day of work. And so he sends his disciples out to the boat and says, go on over to the other side of the lake and I'm going to stay here. We'll get together in the morning. And this is not like a little lake. This is like a Lake Michigan kind of a thing. And so while they set out into the lake by boat, Jesus takes advantage of the situation has some alone time and goes up into the mountainside and he begins to pray. But as he does, this huge storm blows in. And the disciples find themselves in a very serious situation. And in the Gospel of Matthew, it says that it's now sometime between 3 and 6 a.m., so it's just kind of getting to be dusk. And the boat, he says, is now a considerable distance from shore, out in the middle of the lake. And it appears that the disciples are stranded to the point that they just can't get back to shore. When all of a sudden, they see something. Something that's really hard to believe. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the lake, they see Jesus walking out to them. Walking on the water. And at first, they think he's a ghost. Because you can't imagine that a human being could be there walking on the water. It's not even possible. But then they hear his voice say, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And it was then that they heard the truth. So how do we 
overcome our fears that hold us back from seeing the truth about what's real and what's not. What is it that will eventually move us out from doing this Sunday morning Christianity thing to a life where we are living fully and passionately as followers of Jesus Christ? To put it in biblical terms, to move from belief to faith. I think a whole lot of people have belief. In fact, there was a survey done not too long ago that revealed something like 90% of Americans have some sort of a belief in God. Belief is not enough. If belief is a head thing, then faith is a heart thing, and that is what drives the passion in our lives, which is the situation that Peter finds himself in right now. He's got to move from having a belief in Jesus to having a faith in Jesus real quick here, because in verse 28, he says, Lord, if it is you, Tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus calls his bluff and says, come on, brother, let's see what you got. (laughs) Then it says Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water, walking toward Jesus. This is an incredible thing that Peter is experiencing right now, right? I mean, can you just imagine how shocked the other disciples who are still in the boat must have been to watch Peter walking on the water toward Jesus. It's unbelievable. Quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if Jesus himself isn't just a little bit shocked about what Peter's pulling off right now. (laughs) For a moment in time, Peter's faith is so strong that it is literally carrying him across the water. Now you can say a lot of things about Peter. And they've all been said. But you have to admit that this guy is driven by faith. Peter followed Jesus with such a passion that he was able to overcome his fears and take risks that he never even imagined possible. In the church, many times, we confuse belief as being the same thing as But I have to tell you, it is much deeper than that. It seems like, to me, if I'm going to categorize in broad strokes, categorize, I think there's three different kinds of faith that exist. The first one is an intellectual faith. So this is the belief part that I've been referring to. But the problem is that Jesus said that even the demons in hell believe in the fact that God is God and they fear him. So what's the difference? What distinguishes your belief in God from Satan's? Belief in God is not enough. You may believe that there's a God. You may believe that you need God in your life. You may come to church every Sunday morning because of that belief, but if you haven't entered into a saving faith in Jesus Christ, it'll leave you empty. I mean, let's take this stool that I'm sitting on as an example. I may believe that this stool can support my weight, but if I'm not willing to sit on it to try it out, it's worthless, right? It's just a 
nice piece of furniture. That's an example of an intellectual faith, because while I may believe that this stool could hold me, if I never ever try it, if I never have the faith to get on it, and it's not supporting my weight, then it's just a nice idea. It's one thing for Peter to say, yeah, Jesus, I have such a faith, a strong faith in you, and to continue to white-knuckle it in a boat, versus it's a whole other thing to get out of the boat and do it. And that's exactly the kind of faith that many of us have in God. We agree factually that God exists. We're not an atheist, so by default, we believe, right? We believe that God exists. But we're not relying on God in any capacity of our lives. We haven't put our faith in him, really, to accomplish anything in our lives. It's an intellectual belief that leaves me empty. But faith is not just an intellectual knowledge. It's bigger than that. The second category of faith I describe as an on-demand faith. This is kind of the fire insurance approach to the Christian faith where we put our faith in Jesus only when we have to. It's a type of faith, but it's more of a faith in a pinch, so to speak. And this is where a lot of us are today, if we're honest about it. We keep our faith up on a shelf, and we pull it out only when we need it, like when we're going through a tough time. And so the hard times hit, we reach up, we whip out our faith, we pray like crazy, we lean on God in those hard times, we pray for God to help us, we make incredible promises if he does. But then when things get back to normal, and everything's going really well again, we put that faith back up on the shelf and we say, thanks God, I can take it from here. But the Bible talks about a different kind of faith. It talks about a saving faith. An all-encompassing, life-changing, I-surrender-all kind of faith. A faith that drives our purpose and our passion and all the weight of our entire lives falls squarely on the shoulders of Jesus. There's a difference between sticking your toe in the water and diving in head first. And taking the next step of moving deeper in our relationship with Jesus will always require us to get out of the boat. To risk something and to move out of our comfort zone. To move out of the old life and into the new life, which is way more uncomfortable than just having a nice belief in God. Now we get the impression that Peter had this kind of saving faith that we've been talking about. Because while logic would tell you that you're in a boat in the middle of a huge lake, in the middle of a storm, you ride it out in the boat, right? But what Peter instinctively knew is that it was safer to be with Jesus out in the storm than it was playing it safe back in the boat. However, Unfortunately, it didn't last long, because in verse 30, it says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. 
Now, I would imagine that there were a few minutes there where Peter was feeling pretty darn good about himself. You know? I'm thinking, you know, he's thinking to himself, dude, you are freaking walking on water. How cool is that? Is anybody getting this on video? And then, for just a moment, he stops and he looks around and reality sets in. He says to himself, Hey, fool, you can't walk on water? He becomes distracted for just a minute and just long enough. He takes his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to sink. Now, you have to admit, at least I will admit, I'm really relieved that he blows it here. I mean, can you imagine if he actually makes it all the way, walking on water, all the way to Jesus? If he actually pulls it off? The kind of precedent that sets for the rest of us? I don't want to have to be out there in some storm in Lake Michigan trying to prove how great my faith is, how strong it is by walking on water in some storm. I can barely make it to church in my car. But does this ever happen to you? You're going along. So great. Faith is strong. You're in the God zone. Life is good. But then, just for a split second, you get distracted and you take your eyes off Jesus. You take your eyes off the stuff that's real. Off the stuff that has meaning. And no matter how hard you try, it is too late. You cannot recover out of it. I hate that feeling. And I have to tell you, it happens to be more, it happens to me more than I care to admit. Many of us have gone through a faith crisis at some point or another in our lives, and maybe that's why you're here this morning. But I have to tell you, it's a normal part of the human existence. Because none of us are perfect. And that's where Jesus comes in. Because in verse 31, it says, Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, I don't know for sure about this, but I just get the impression that this isn't Jesus being critical here or beating him up for not having enough faith to make it all the way. I mean, his faith is way stronger than mine because... I ain't getting out of the boat. I'm back in the boat with the rest of the disciples. I don't know where you're at. I think this is Jesus like a father who's disappointed. He says, dang, you were doing so good. You so could have made it if you just kept going. If you'd have just kept your eyes on me, it would all have been good. Peter's love for Jesus might have been imperfect and weak at times, but it was real. And that's all Jesus asks of any of us, that we come to him with a faith that is authentic and true. And there comes a point, then, in all of our lives where we come to the realization that it is safer to be with Jesus out there in the storms of life, than to be protected back in the boat. 
playing it safe. Faith is not about playing it safe. It's about being all in. Loving Jesus with all of what is inside of us and trusting him with our whole life. Our faith may waver from time to time, but it's our faith that makes us who we are. It's faith that gives definition to our lives. It's faith that shapes the decisions that we make and the words that we speak. It causes us to overcome the fear that would hold us back and begin to live differently. I think we all need to take a bit of an assessment of our lives because I will tell you this. You are not at capacity for your faith. I haven't even scratched the surface of the kind of faith I'm able to achieve. We have so much more capacity to give in our commitment to Jesus. We have so much more capacity to allow ourselves to do things that we just may not want to do. We have a whole lot of room to go deeper in our faith if we will just allow ourselves when we do we won't be perfect at it there'll be times when we fail there'll be times when we will fall flat in our face because for just a moment as much as we hate to admit it there'll be times when we take our eyes off of Jesus when we take our eyes off the stuff that has meaning but we have this promise that when we start to sink If we will reach out to him, Jesus will reach down and grab us and save us and look at us as if to say, why'd you doubt? You could have done it. Are you tired of life as usual? Are you tired of just the daily grind taking over your life day in and day out. Wake up. Take a risk. And live the life that God designed you to live and just know at the end of the day, no matter what happens, He's got you.